Today's episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast is brought to you by The Two Lives of Sarah From the author of Saving Ruby King comes The Two Lives of Sarah A story of hope, resilience, and unexpected love As one young mother finds refuge and friendship at a boarding house in Memphis during the 1960s The Two Lives of Sarah is available wherever books are sold Welcome to yet another episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast. My name is Jamie, along with your moderator, Angelica, and host, Ryan. We break down each episode of the show shortly after the broadcast is over on House of the Dragon on HBO that airs every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You've just finished watching episode six, The Princess and the Queen, So let's go ahead, dive right in and talk all about it. Welcome to yet another Dragons Y'all podcast recap. Uh, My name is Jamie. I'm your host. And we have Angelica and Ryan here as our moderator and host. Hello, ladies. Hello. I feel like every episode I call this show a different thing dragons y'all podcast <laughs> recap don't put dragons in it dragons y'all re- put dragons in it <laughs> yeah it. dragons y'all recap show podcast whatever it's called um but you guys know we we recap every single episode of the show house of the dragon and we use dragons y'all which is the hashtag we use on t- twitter as the namesake of our show so yeah we're gonna dive right into tonight's episode which was absolutely amazing and sets us up for some really interesting events that will be happening in this universe and it's called the princess and the queen so angelica take it away all right well let's touch on last week i always like to talk about twitter (laughs) and their reactions to the last episode um so i will say much like we felt everybody loved Rhea royce but everybody knew she was doomed (laughs) so we all we all wish we had more time with her because she was just so badass, but we, we, we knew it, it wasn't going to happen for her. So, you know, shout out to the actress for her, I guess, five minutes. <laughs> she really had an impact on us as a viewer. Um, and then another big topic was the Valerian grand entrance at the wedding feast. That was just that was also very badass. Like, I loved it. I know you had mentioned uh, Jamie, that what was the song that should have gone along to No Church in the Wild, something like that? Yes, <laughs> something that was definitely a hip hop grand entrance. I was loving it, and everyone also was really uh, saying how pretty Lena grew up to be, and how the series kind of messed that up for himself. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I I loved it. I probably I like. I mean, I don't have them as my wallpaper, but I have to find a way to like immortalize the Villarians entering that 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 hall. Um, yeah, so that was a good time. And then another, of course, everybody was uh, into messy Joffrey and his antics, and he ended up having his smash his face smashed in. Um, but a big question a lot of people I saw were asking was, how did Kristen get away with you know killing a knight? And I'm just like, um, one, he's the king's guard. He's like kind of the cops as far as this world is concerned. So they can get away with a lot. And two, he's under the protection of Queen Allison. And three, Corlys wasn't a big fan of of Joffrey because he's like 
Lenore's lover. So a bunch of problems got taken care of that night. And so, yeah, it was it was a it was a good night. I think everyone really, really enjoyed that last episode. So uh, shout out to Charmaine for the writing behind that. Yes, indeed. Yes. Shout out to Charmaine for that. It was great. It was was a fantastic episode. And I'm not sure. I think I do prefer last week's episode, but this one was pretty good as well. Um, This episode, as you mentioned, is titled The Princess and the Queen, which is actually the title of J.R.M.'s novella, um, which was part of an anthology series called Dangerous Women. And that was published in 2013. Um, And then it was followed in 2014 by The Rogue Prince. So those two volumes ended up being expanded in Fire and Blood, which we know was also published in 2018. So um, at first, these were like little stories scattered here and there written by J.R.R.M. And then he ended up making a full-fledged book, which is why we have this series. So little little nerdy fan fan facts there <laughs> so um yeah now let's dive into this episode so what are what are, what were your thoughts like uh, after your initial watch of this episode um for me this was my favorite episode so far so because i i could i could finally see like everybody's talking about you know the dance of the dragons they keep throwing that around and i was like but what is that what are we actually getting to you know besides just the targaryens having dragons and so i feel like you could finally see like some of the beginning of that like where we're going with it and yeah, I just, I love that they, this show does time jumps like amazingly. I wish they would show some other shows how to do it. Cause you, it, it, you don't feel like you missed a lot of time. Like the actors fit right into the, the previous, the younger actors. It's like, you can see the escalation. You all, you almost want to see that little time cap a little bit because they play it so well, but yeah, they, they have become expert at the time jump. Cause I don't, I don't ever feel like it's a whole new, you know, actress you have to step away from. And you're like, oh, why did they replace this person with this person? They're not doing the same Renera or they're not doing the same, um, you know, Allison. So I thought it was, I thought it was very well done. Amy? Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Great job bringing up Dance of the Dragons. I, this is basically the setup. Technically, last week's episode, We Light the Way, was the setup when Allison walked into that wedding mm. feast wearing the green dress because that's where the divide happens with the Dance of the Dragons where we've got, you know, the greens and the blacks. So she kind of <laughs> set that up in that episode. But yes, we're now starting to build um, the story around what will come um, with Dance of the Dragons and, and now with Princess and the Queen with this title, we're setting up some some huge division between the Targaryens and um, and the Hightowers. And it's, uh, man, I, I just, I can't wait for us, of course, to dive into this, but I, you know, I, I gotta, gotta agree with you. This, this was a good episode. This is, I guess... I wouldn't, I don't know. It's hard to say if it's my favorite episode so far because last week's episode was like amazing. Like (laughs) between the wedding feast and just all of the drama that ensued during that moment. But then like, this is sort of this buildup that for some of us that know what happens in Dance of the Dragons, you're like, oh wow, this is, it's getting tense. It is. And then there's some things that are revealed that you're like, oh wow, this is, this is pretty, pretty compelling stuff. So anyway, to sum it all up, this was absolutely an incredible episode and it's, it's top two from uh, We Light the Way, I would say. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Yeah. So let's get into it. So we see Rhaenyra, who's now played by Emma D'Arcy, about 10 years later, giving birth to her third child, a son. 
Immediately after the baby is born, Queen Allison, who's now played by Olivia Cook, requests to see the baby. So Rainier asks why. Like a servant comes in and says, like, the queen wants to see the child. Rainier is like, why? She doesn't get an answer. So she's pretty defiant. She insists on taking her son to see the queen herself. So we watch Rainier struggling from exhaustion after childbirth she's bleeding they're trying to get her dressed in the middle of getting her dressed she passes the placenta like it's just she needs to lay her ass down basically (laughs) um but she's very defiant she's very stubborn um so Lanor walks in and he's now played by John McMillan and he's ecstatic at the birth of yet another son this is their third child um and he wonders why Allison wants to see the child he's like I thought she was past this and Rhaenyra is struggling um Lanor offers to hold the baby and she's like no I got this so he's like at least take my arm um, he asks her if childbirth was painful and then compares it to being lanced in the shoulder at a tourney once. And Rainier sarcastically offers her condolences. She's like, huh, good for you, pal. Um, so they approach a large set of stairs on their way to see the queen. And you can see Rainiera instantly regrets her decision, but she still pushes forward. And Laner's like, this is ridiculous, but he helps her along anyway. He's a dutiful husband. Um, And they're greeted by two courtiers who offer their congratulations and support for the princess and, you know, like anything we can do, let us know. So I I think to myself in this battle of the greens versus the blacks, if maybe these are going to end up being some of her allies. Um, So they finally arrive at the queen's chambers and they're led in by Kristen Cole, who has much changed. I mean, same actor, but he's cut his hair. He's a lot colder now. He even greets the princess very coldly, like, you know, welcome princess. And you can tell their relationship has completely imploded. They're not close. They're not friends. And later on, we'll we'll see just how much Kristen thinks about Rhaenyra now. Um, so he lets them in. And, you know, they the queen is shocked to see Rhaenyra is bringing the baby herself. You know, she insists she rests on a nearby couch. Viserys enters. Ooh, and l- let's just briefly talk about Viserys' appearance. He is looking haggard. That <laughs> hairline has pushed all the way back. He's looking like Smeagol. Like, he looks like Gollum. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. That is rough. He was looking rough. Um, and he's very excited to have a new grandson. You know, he asked if the baby's been named yet. Lenor, you know, before... Rainier can get a word in. Lenor declares the baby is going to be named Joffrey after his messy lover that was murdered in the last episode. Um, and Allison's like, that's an unusual name for Valerian. And, they, you know, her and Rainier kind of exchange this weird look. Um, Viserys kind of doesn't pay it any mind. He's just happy to have another grandson. He says the baby has Lenor's nose. So before Rainier leaves, Allison actually takes the baby and takes a good look at him. Um, and she tells Laner, you know, keep trying, keep going at it. One day you'll have a baby that looks just like you. So I'll stop there for your thoughts on that exchange. Yeah, Viserys, you know, I, I don't know what kind of spa, health care. I don't know. Viserys, is, <laughs> he's, he, the struggle was just real. And I'm with you. The hairline wasn't always there. I was like. Ooh, yeah, he looked like he just looked like I don't know what's going on with the illness, but it's just not in his favor at all. But he holding on though. I mean, you know, I guess that's good genes. He holding on. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so <sighs> Sir Kristen, he kinda I won't touch on too much of that because I know we're gonna get back to he kinda got on my nerves this episode. I'm not gonna lie, I was not a fan. 
So yeah, I know we'll get back to him. Um, Renera, shout out to climbing up them steps. I don't know how she did it, but I love how Allison was like, it was like, it's like Allison makes a challenge. Renera comes back. So I, I, I like how she doesn't, I, and I always, I feel like it always shocks Allison. Like she doesn't expect it. And Renera's like, okay, you want to see my baby? Then you're going to get the whole deal. I'm about to walk up all these steps. Uh, so I like that. I like Lenore, like, like, at least take my arm. Like, I think they make a good pair. You know, they're going through their own little individual struggles and stuff, but I still like them as a couple. I think they support each other the best way they can. So I love their exchange going up the steps where he was like, look, we need to go back. Like you obviously are in pain. She's like, well, unless you're going to carry me down the steps, we're going to keep going. So it was, I, I love their exchange, but yeah, so this, this opening was, was real cool. And like I said, I love how they did the, the, the jump just seamlessly. Like we right into the action. Um, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous with it opening up with the birth scene because we know how those go. So I, I got real nervous about it. But yeah, they did a good job with this open. Jamie? Uh, yeah. So um, I think, Ryan, our instincts are, were right about Allison and why we hate on her. Uh, she is <laughs> not a good person. And uh, we will find out more about her shiftiness in this episode but i mean the fact that she's going to ask for seeing the baby right after rhaenyra gives birth really really and also the details of the the birth in and of itself like the sound of the baby coming out did you guys know i'm like y'all doing a little too much hbo do we really need to hear you know the moist squeezing noises like i don't want to hear all that um but yeah they they hbo doing the most as always with game of thrones type shows um and then i had questions about this i don't know what your guys's opinion was but is there any particular reason why they had to change actors on lanor um because he's uh he they had excuse me they had to age him up so they're all they're aging all of the younger I by get, 10 years yeah i mean i get that but he like theo nate looked like he would be the age that lenore is now like he didn't look that young even in his i guess he was in his teens at that point yeah he was a teenager yeah yeah so the actor that played him That's, that is interesting yeah, yeah like i'm just like why did they because technically um lenore was played by like three actors <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in the last, oh. you know, okay. six episodes. Yeah, that. yeah, that is that. Yeah. That yeah. Is so yeah. I'm well, like, did is... they really need to switch actors on on this? I, I, in my opinion, I didn't think they needed to. But no, no yeah. shade towards John McMillan, which, by the way, he looks totally like uh, Cory Booker. Um, but <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I just, I, I just thought that that was, you know. I don't know. I, it didn't seem like a necessary change to me, but I get that they're aging up the actor or the character, but he just, he seemed like he's, the, the actor seems like he's the same age as the actor that's playing Lenore now. Uh, I mean, he looks a little bit older. Like, you can see, like, the crows, like, when he smiles, his, you know, the, around his eye, it crinkles. I, I mean, he's a little bit more mature. The other guy was, like, a baby face, and then even the young man that played him before looked like he was 12 at the most. So, you know, they're just aging up. You know, L Lena is also played by three different actresses, so 
know. Well, that's the thing too, and I had mentioned that in our last episode. I was like, yeah, they're they're really changing and aging up the you know the Valerians compared to the Targaryens and uh, the High Towers. So that that's interesting. Um, But anyways, in the what's interesting is that in the books, um, I believe Laenor and Lena are a couple years older than Rhaenyra, but on the show they actually made them younger than Rhaenyra. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but eh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm digging his hair. This I like his hair better yeah, than the last. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think the haircut is great. I think the haircut is yeah. great. Um, the shave sides. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. He he looks good. He again. I I love the Cory Booker look he's giving us right now. So, uh, <laughs> and then as far as Viserys is concerned, yeah, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. Uh, he <laughs> he really. <laughs> I was surprised he was even alive because in We Light the Way, he passes out. And I'm thinking, okay, is he a goner at this point? So I was like, oh, damn, he's still alive? He's still walking around? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's it's been interesting to see how everything has uh, transpired since the last episode. And as far as Kristen is concerned, man, I lo- you know, I was liking you. Because you fine, <laughs> yeah. Because you fine. I'm I'm gonna be superficial about it. It did have a lot to do with your looks, but um, <laughs> Kristen, you 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 lost a lot of points right now. You mm. really have lost a lot of points. So, I mean, damn. I get the fact that Renera turned you down, uh, but to be this salty, it's not that deep, mm. bro. He's very salty. We'll get into exactly how he feels exactly exactly how he feels about Rainier he didn't have kind words for her uh but yeah <laughs> he has a haircut as well I, I do prefer this hair over the his his longer shaggier look so you know anyways so um as they're leaving the queen's chambers out of Rhaenyra is chastising Lenor for not consulting her about naming their son and Lenor insists this is their child after all and she's like well I'm the one that's bleeding <laughs> like I'm sorry your child um and he says like he should have a say in the matters that concerns his family um and she tells him like you've never seemed to be concerned about our affairs before and she walks away and then when Lenor t- turns to look um, at Kristen, there's this long trail of blood left behind by Rhaenyra. So, you know, childbirth is very bloody, y'all. Keep your butt in bed if you give birth to a baby. Let yourself heal. Um, so Rhaenyra gets back to her chambers and she's greeted by her older sons, Jaceres and Lucerys Filarion, who are played by Leo Hart and Harvey Sadler, and Sir Harwin, who's now commander of the City Watch. The boys both have dark hair and they kind of look like Harwin. I'm just saying. Um, and they present their mother with a dragon head meant for their little brother. Um, Sir Harwin himself took the boys to choose the dragon egg. So you could tell there's something going on between them. He's had a thing for her since she came back with that giant boar. Um, and I guess that's come to fruition. They kind of exchange looks and he asked to hold the baby. You can see like he's so happy to hold this little boy. So it doesn't take much to put two and two together. He's the, the boy's father. Um, and Lenor ends up leaving the room with the two older boys. And he looks at Harwin like they know what's going on. They all know within this family unit what's going on with Rhaenyra and Harwin. And he kind of gives a final nod and closes the door. 
Um, so I'll stop there for that revelation uh, about Rainier's children. Um. Okay, so I know there. I know there's like. Te- okay, they made a deal at the very beginning about hey, you you know you do your thing, I do I do my thing. You know we'll get married because this is what you know we need for to keep this this line of dragons going for years to come. What I can't figure out though, and I guess, and you know, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's easy just to have sex with somebody. You just move on or whatever, but you know, the eyes that are on you, right. And, uh, Allison is coming every which way she can come. So it, it kind of bothered me a little bit where I was just like, man, so none of like, none of the kids at all look like, you know, the both of them, because it's like, obviously people know what's going on. Like, with, cause not, they think, I feel like they think it's contained within their little family until, you know, as we get to more of the episode. But I just, I don't know. I, I was kind of, it kind of worried me. And I was like, that's going to cause like more problems as we know, as you know, as the show goes on. And, you know, looking at like Horan and obviously, like you said, you see the hair, you see the features. Obviously, these are his boys. So I don't know. And I don't know, maybe I'm just alone on the island by myself thinking that. Because I guess if you, if you make a deal at the beginning, like, hey, you, you know, you do your thing. We know how, you know, we know what Lanar prefers. You know, if he was given the option of who he could actually marry. But I was just like the succession and Renee knowing she's going to be heir. I don't know. I just I was thinking, like, would one kid look like them? You know, would it make it easier? These kids are like, you know, they I know maybe they think a little bit a little bit what's going on, even though they know who their dad is supposed to be. And they call him dad. So I don't know. It just seemed real messy. It just seemed like a lot to go on and have to deal with. And like the kids being put in the middle of it. So. Yeah, that's that's my two cents on it. Gotcha, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so we get to see Allison for the first time. We see the cracks in this innocent shell that she's managed to develop in these last five episodes. I mean, the crack really started in last episode, in episode five, mm-hmm. but the crack is widening because she starts out um, by saying this like really biting line towards Lenor about the the baby saying that um keep trying soon you may get one that looks like you i was like damn sis like that was that was i I was like that kind of yeah yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere so um when she said that i was like okay what is she trying to say are she is she trying to say that these kids don't belong to lanor like what's going on so i thought that that was very interesting just seeing that out of Allison for the first time uh, and we're now kind of introduced to this new version I guess of Allison as she's aged so she's be, like you said with Kristen you know he's much colder you know he's changed his haircut and she's much older and she's obviously a little bit colder or much colder um, as she's I guess now grown into her power as queen so yeah, I just again, I'm, my intuition about her as a kid was right, <laughs> and, I, and I stand by it. Um, so yeah, that that's really I just wanted to point out that fact with that that biting line towards Lenore, and um, yeah, you know the kids they look a little different, so she's probably onto something there, but she ain't got to be all mean about it. See, I didn't take that line as mean. I took that line as almost like a kindness to to Lenore. Like, I feel bad for you, bro. Like, you have all these babies that look nothing like you and everyone knows this behind your back. Like, keep at it. Maybe you'll 
end up with one that actually does look like you. I think it was more like encouragement, like almost a way to tell him, like, you need to get on this. <laughs> you need to start pumping out babies that look like you. Um, and to Ryan's point, asking him before, like, why can't Lenore just sleep with Rhaenyra? I think it's difficult for someone that isn't interested in women to just lay up with someone, even if you know, they're ordered to or that, you know, their 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 life depends on it. And I also want to add that in this world, there's plenty of bastards that weren't actually, um, you know, true born heirs. But as long as the father, you know, the one that's married to the mother um, claims those children and takes them in as their own, people really can't question it. They're free to question it, but, you know, he claims them. Like, you know, it is what it is. It's almost like um, the Romans back in the day. Um, if a baby was presented before, like Caesar, for example, if you laid the baby up before Caesar and Caesar picks up the child, he's acknowledging that child, whether it's his or not, and that baby is now his. So they're kind of being, they're kind of hiding behind tradition in, in that sense. Um, so I'll, I'll give it back to you guys. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say, maybe I should, I'm going to phrase mine differently and say now with that, with the aspect of the kids, I now don't know if I would have put them together. I guess I'll say it like that because you you're right. I don't want to make it seem like he can just sleep with whoever. Cause that's not what he prefers. So maybe I'm worried about, and I know how Allison is going to come hard. Cause I don't think she's trying to be nice at all. I think she definitely is like heavy on the shade in this, in this episode. So with what they have at stake, I guess now I'm concerned about the union that I thought was okay in the beginning or the agreement they had in the beginning. Because even though people, you know, like even though they can't do anything about it, they're royalty, nobody can touch them. We see that there's like slowly cracks that are gonna form as the episode go or slowly things that can happen, you know, involving these children. You know, even though they have, they still like, no matter what they have, the, Targa the Targaryen name. So, you know, so I guess I should maybe say it like that because I don't want people to feel like I think, oh, well, you know, you just because you feel this way, sleep with this person because sex isn't a light thing to take, a light thing to, to deal with. So, but so I guess now, I guess what I'm questioning is the arrangement they made in the very beginning, if I now feel like that was still a good idea now that there are like kids involved. But Jamie, I'll let you take it away. My suggestion to Rhaenyra, which obviously it's all too late at this point, but what she should have done... <laughs> <laughs> what she should have done was sleep with someone that looked like a Targaryen, you know, instead oh, of, instead of, yeah, like instead of sleeping with, cause you know, they, the kid obviously looks like, you know, Harwin and Harwin's grown mm -hmm. a like, a liking to these kids. So we get the sense at this point that he's the baby daddy. So rather than sleeping with someone with brown hair, brown eyes, you know, why don't you just sleep with someone that actually looks like a Targaryen or another Valarian, and that way you're able to hide the fact that, because I, I think their agreement was as such, that they really didn't plan to consummate the marriage. I, oh. I definitely agree that that's probably what they made their pact when they had the duck-goose conversation. Um, but, you know, just be able to hide it better. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She she has a thing for her, her night's watchmen, so. <laughs> I mean, I feel like... I feel like Rhaenyra was just gambling, you know, because just because you have Targaryen blood in you doesn't mean you're going to automatically come out with silver hair. That's kind of been kept up because of inbreeding. Um, there's actually plenty of dark haired Targaryens in, in the histories, at least. In, in Jon Snow. Exactly. Jon Snow. So, you know, she could have I think she's fallen back on the fact that like, hey, it's genetics. You know, he, uh, he just ended up taking 
up after someone in his family with dark hair. Although she could have, she could have slept with her uncle, though. You know. (laughs) Oh gosh, he's not around. He's not around. Nice, Um, nice. But we'll we'll get to that later, though, right? Yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah, I think she screwed herself up because uh, her her husband also has silver hair. So you would think the kids would end up with silver hair. But I mean, whatever. You know, she's she's got away with it thus far. What they going to do? What they going to do? Nothing. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, so far, but what we are seeing so far in this TV universe is if a Targaryen does uh, fornicate with a Valerian, they do end up with silver hair. We do end up seeing that later on in this episode. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just saying she could have hit it a little bit better instead of hitting it with, <laughs> you know, Sir Harwin. I mean, you know, he, he, yeah, I, you know he, he's a little rough around the edges. You know, I, I she, get it. She, she's blaming it on the Baratheon blood within the Valarians family because Rhaenys is like half uh, Baratheon. And actually in the book, she has dark hair. She doesn't have silver hair. So we just we just going to blame it on the ancestry. Um, but yeah, so anyways, <laughs> now that we've gotten off this genetics conversation, um, there we now are at the dragon pit. The dragon keepers bring out a small reddish green dragon named Vermax before the young princess. Um, Jaceres is instructed to command the dragon to obey his orders, and the dragon t- is listening to him until a goat is brought before them. I mean, Vermex is hungry, so... The head dragon keeper <laughs> with the assistance of an interpreter. So the head dragon keeper seems like he only speaks High Valerian and maybe I think he does understand the common tongue. Tells Jaceres he must become the master of his dragon like Prince Aegon, who's now played by Ty Tennant, um, has with his dragon Sunfire. So once Jaceres is fully bonded to his dragon, it will not take instruction from anyone else. So Jaceres kind of takes this in hand and is like, can I say it? Can I say it? You know, apparently it's the favorite command of of, of the Targaryens, um, to which the dragon keeper agrees. And he gleefully yells, Dracadis! And his little dragon breeze fires onto the goat <laughs> so he can feast. Um, so after Vermax feeds, Aegon takes his younger bro- brother, Aemon, played by Leo Ashton, by the shoulders and notes, since he's the only one of the princes without a dragon, they feel bad for them. So they found a dragon for him. Aemon is pretty suspicious. You can tell he's kind of been bullied by his brother and his cousins. But Jaceres insists it's a gift. So Lucyrus brings out a pig with wings attached to its body. And they all declare the the pig to be the pink dread and laugh hysterically. And I was just like, I don't like these little effers at all. Especially not Aegon. Uh, what y'all think of his face makes me want to punch him. But <laughs> what did you guys think of those those young men? Uh, yeah, they came too hard. They didn't have to put the wings on a pig like that. I was like, it's already hard enough for him to be the only one without a dragon. So, yeah. That's that, that's that kid's bully on the playground scene. When you like, really? Did you have to do it? Did you have to do it? But I love the, the whole dragon pit thing, though. I thought that was cool to see, like, the little baby dragons and how they kind of work with them and train them. Um, yeah, I thought that, I thought that scene, that scene was cute, except for them trying to play with them like that. It was like, that went cool. All right. Yeah. I, it, it tells me just how talented Daenerys was where she didn't have to go through any of this. She just instantly bonded with her dragons and had full control over them. Um, so yeah. So after they kind of tease poor little Aemond, um, he ends up sneaking into a dragon cell alone and he happens upon a dragon who is not happy to see him and it breathes fire towards his direction and he ends up running away pretty scared. 
Um, so next we see Allison as she's sitting with Princess Helena, who's played by Evie Allen, who is a strange bird, if I do say so myself. She's examining one of her insects that's part of her collection. Um, it's a centipede and she says it has eyes, but it doesn't actually see. So Allison asks, like, why do you think that's that is? And she says it's beyond our understanding. And Allison agrees. Um, Eamon is actually brought to her by a member of the King's Guard and Allison realizes that he's snuck into a dragon cell again. So it looks like Eamon has kind of been trying his very best to bond with the dragon and she berates him for his obsession with dragons and Eamon is insisting that they made him do it because they, they gave him a pig with wings on it. And she consoles him and promises him that he will have a dragon one day. And he's like, they all laughed at me. And she gives him a big old hug. So you can tell that's like her little baby. But I will note during this exchange, Helena's weird self is still looking at the centipede. And she starts talking to herself. um, And she says, his last ring does not have legs. He'll have to close an eye. So for those of you that have not read the books, this is actually somewhat prophetic. Um, it has something to do with Amon and how he'll grow up and how he'll end up. Um, so I don't know. I think we got to keep an eye on Helena. She she got that that uh, Targaryen gift of prophecy, but no one seems to be paying attention to it. So I'll stop there for that that small exchange. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that line up because I was trying to figure out about Helena. I was like, what are we missing about her? Because it was she did seem very odd over there, you know, playing with the. Um, with the centipede, I don't know. It was just, it was very strange. But at the same time, I'm like, in this world, what does that mean? You know, like, what is she really like? What are we missing? So, I thought that was just interesting to see Allison and her kids, and like some of them that you like. You said you might want to punch in the face. Some of them look like they might, you know. Helena looks like she has something going on that nobody's paying attention to. Like she knows little secrets. Like she can um, kind of see things coming. And but it looks like they might not pay attention to her because like she's off to the side. So I'm like, watch her try to like warn somebody else about something, and they just like, oh, that's just her being herself over in the corner. Um, but yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Even though Allison, like, she's still on my list because girl is like she was throwing it out this episode. But it was cool to see like her, I guess her interaction if she gets any points with her kids just to see like how she is as a mom. Mm-hmm. Jamie. Yeah, she's very protective as a mom, very reminiscent of Cersei in that way. So giving me Cersei vibes, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) People are, by the way, a lot of fans um, online are comparing her to Cersei. So um, I'm not just throwing that out there. That's actually like a known thing in the the fandom. But um, I would say, too, yes, I'm glad you brought up the the prophetic statement about one eye because we will see later on with Aemon. Um, he gonna have what one eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gonna have one eye, yes, and does, also um, he doesn't have legs. <laughs> he, he must close an eye. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, and and also this is some foreshadowing between the Valarian kids and the Targaryen kids. Um, seeing that animosity, uh, we're seeing some foreshadowing there because that that animosity. Um, and tension builds up to when they become adults, which is also mm-hmm. something that we'll we'll see later on in the story. And obviously the books have given us some information about how these two characters end up where their fate ends. Um, so yeah, I, this was this was some, again, great foreshadowing, great build up to what we're gonna see with Dance of the Dragons and and all of that fun stuff. So yeah, yeah I was here for agreed. it. 
Um, so we're in Viserys' chambers now. He's hunching over his Valerian Lego set. Uh, <laughs> and um, Allison comes in. That is that's that Lego set, set was Lego huge. Set. I was like, damn. <laughs> I have I have a coworker that's also obsessed with Legos, and he's a grown man. <laughs> so it just reminded me of him. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, Allison is talking to Viserys about the incident with Aemon and the princes in the dragon pit. Viserys brushes it off. He's like, "Oh, he really thought they found some." some exotic dragon that he would finally bond to like, Oh, the boy needs to grow up. Um, and Allison calls his grandsons menaces and savages, you know, it's no wonder where they get it from. And Viserys is like, well, don't you think Aegon may have put them up to it? So she seems to be a little bit um, biased towards her sons, <laughs> has some type of issue with Rhaenyra's children, obviously because of her issues with Rhaenyra. So Allison wonders how did their eggs even hatch um because of their parentage she doesn't say that part and Sarah's just like well what are you talking about and he's like what do you mean by that and she's like you know what I mean by that so she's like I've held my tongue long enough you know for Rhaenyra to have one son that doesn't look like Lenar is a mistake for her to have three it's an insult to him to the throne to the Valarians to the match he worked so hard to arrange oh and and decency itself um, and Viserys brushes off her concerns by describing, you know, he he had a black mare who mated with a silver stallion and that mare gave birth to a fowl that was born uh, the color of chestnut. He says nature is a mysterious thing. Um, and Allison was like, well, did you see the mare actually mate with the silver stallion? Did you witness this? And he shuts her up. He's like, you know, the consequences of your allegations would be dire. And he tells her not to speak of it again. Um, so, you know, she's frustrated. She walks back to her chambers with Sir Kristen. She's like, have I lost my mind? Have I lost my senses? You know, is everyone else asleep dreaming the same dream? And Kristen agrees that sometimes it feels that way. You know, she's like, Rhaenyra's flaunting the privilege of her inheritance without shame. She expects everyone's in the Red Keep to deny the very thing they can see with their own eyes, including the king. And Kristen's like, yeah, the king knows, but... Allison says like he's convinced himself otherwise and continues to make excuses for her. So this is when um, Kristen starts throwing major shade at Rainier. He describes her as brazen and relentless. He compares her to a spider who stings and sucks her prey dry. He then calls her a spoiled C word. And I was like, oh, you are big mad. It's been 10 years, sir. Um, and Allison stops short and he actually apologizes for his harsh words. She forgives him and she says, you know, she just believes that in the end, honor and decency will prevail. They have to hold that, hold on to that and hold on to each other. So I'll stop there for your thoughts on Sir Kristen and his little salty self and even the scene before with her in the series. Um, I like I like the the scene with Allison and Viserys because even though um, I guess now we need to start calling him the Crypt Keeper because I thought that was well said, Jamie, about how he looks. <laughs> but even though he has that appearance now, I will give him credit. I love like him as a dad. He was like he was like, listen, you're not coming after my daughter like this. Like we know what's going on, but you need to re- you need to realize it's not gonna it's not gonna go down like that. Like I like how he had her back and was like. Yeah, no. And then he was like, he was telling the, you know, the, the kids to kind of like, you know, you hate that. I guess you need that tough love where it's like, okay, you got to grow up. You got to mature past this. Cause you know, boys are going to, they're going to keep picking on them. 
So, you know, he kind of wants him to just kind of move past it. But I just I just like how he came to Renera's defense because Allison was like big, like in like all episodes, she's laying out. OK, well, she did this. She did this. Have you noticed this? And Viserys is like, look, I know, but no, we're not going to talk about this. You need to keep that, you know, where it needs to stay. It needs to stay between us. You need to keep it undercover. So I appreciate him for for that. You know, he may not have a king thing down, but I appreciate him as a dad on that on that one. Um, Sir Kristen, yeah, he he was he was upset for real. And I was like, after this many years, you need to learn how to let it go. Cause you did, I'm just saying, he did have an option. And he was like, he was like, no. So um uh, I don't know why he's like, I just think he needs to let it go. Cause this shit, it just does not look well at all. He's just sitting around like moping, whining. Um, anytime he can do like any kind of dig, he's going after Rhaenyra, so yeah, I thought he would turn out to be totally different, and I was just very disappointed this whole episode. And I was just like, "Why? Why is he turning out to be like this?" So the cuteness, the cuteness is wearing off for of me because he's starting to get on my nerves. So that's just where I leave it with Sir Kristen. Yeah, I mean, um, the willful ignorance is just is, the volumes is so high on the series. I'm like, bruh, you really are just turning a blind eye to what's going on. He knows what's going on. He definitely knows what's going on, but yeah. he chooses his daughter over all things. And um, he just chooses to be, like I said, willfully ignorant to her having kids out of uh, the confines of her marriage to, to Lenor. So this conversation is not surprising at all. Allison just insisting on trying to do something about that and trying to get through his thick head about it. I think it's a, a lost battle. <laughs> so, and you should know your husband by now. You should, you should realize that. So I feel like it's a, you know, it, it's fruitless for her to even try to bring this up to him. As far as Kristen is concerned, <laughs> There was a viral tweet that went out about Kristen and how he, how dare that after one night with Renera that she just suddenly give up her birthright and throw away the throne for an evening of passion. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm rephrasing that in the most nice way possible, but if you read the tweet, it says something completely different and it's like really mean spirited towards Kristen. Yeah, I, but, I remember that. I remember the tweet. Yeah. But I, I think that um, Kristen is being really super selfish here because, yeah, like that tweet, even though it was really mean spirited, it had a point. Like, why would she give up her birthright and her throne just for one night? Like, they were only together for one night. It wasn't even like, <laughs> you know, they didn't even have like a continuous intimate relationship. I mean, they were friends, um, but he just expects her to just throw it all away. And then to hold on that grudge, like you said, Angelica, for 10 years, like, bro, really? You gotta, you gotta let that go. That, that's not healthy. That is not healthy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, I'm looking at him in a way where I just, I feel sorry for him at this point. It's like, you got whipped, boy. You got whipped good. And now you just look like a sucker. Yeah, Christian is like reminds me of guys that like cat call to you, and when you tell them now they call you like, well, that's why you ugly anyway. <laughs> it's like, sir, calm down. <laughs> you know you want to be. So yeah, he's he's very bitter, very very bitter. But what can you do? Um, so this next scene is interesting. Um, 
Allison walks in on Prince Aegon uh, masturbating at the edge of a window. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, that is dangerous. Is it, it looked like the same window that Tommen like threw himself out of. Uh, <laughs> so that just tells me that there's something really off about this young man. He's actually gives me Joffrey vibes. Um, That's yeah, so I, random I and weird. Like, why would you be jacking yes. off in the window for everybody to see? Like, that's so weird. <sighs> and then obviously, like, if something spills, it's gonna fall. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Lord. I didn't, I didn't even think about all that, Angelica. I really that wasn't on my mind, but now you put it on my mind and I have to erase yeah, that, that from now my gonna be there, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. He's weird. He's weird though. He is weird. He's I, weird. I, I give you that. He's weird. <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong with that boy. Anyway, so he uh he quickly covers himself as his mother asks him about like whose idea was it about the pig? And he blames it on the Valer the Valarian princess and says it was funny. Um so Allison tells him, like, those boys won't always be your playthings. It's your responsibility to protect your brother, to protect your family. Um, when Rhaenyra ascends the throne, Jaceres will be her heir. If Rhaenyra comes into power, his life, the life of his brother, could be forfeited. And Aegon says, well, I just won't challenge it then. And she's like, she grabs his face and she's like, you are the challenge. <laughs> You're the challenge by simply breathing. Um, everyone knows he's Viserys' firstborn son and everyone in the realm knows that he will one day be king. So she leaves and he's pretty shaken up about it. And he's like, she's like, just get dressed. Um, <laughs> so, oh my gosh. I'm still like the scene of Aemon, A Aegon doing this thing outside of window is like burned in my mind. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so later, um, they're they're in the yard, and Viserys and Lionor are watching as Kristen trains the princes. Um, he challenges Aegon and Aemon to a sparring match, in which Kristen obviously wins. Um, Harwin suggests Christian should pay more attention to his younger peoples, which essentially he's insinuating you need to pay attention to the Valarian brothers. So he grabs Viserys like pretty roughly, and says like you need to spar with Aegon. And Harwin's like, wait, Aegon's way bigger than him. He's like, well, when you're at war, you know, you're not going to have fair odds. So initially, um, Aegon is winning, but Jaceres gets the best of him and then Aegon starts to cheat. So then Harwin's like, he's cheating. And Kristen's like, I'll take care of it. So they each take the boys to their respective corners and they're coaching them. And then Aegon comes out swinging with Kristen barking orders. You know, it's almost like reminded me of the scene in uh, the Karate Kid, where like the Cobra Kai is like yelling out all these crazy commands to like hurt Danny, so he's like doing the same thing, like kick him, you know. He he knocks him down. Don't let him up. Don't let him up. And like Aegon starts like beating up on Jaceres, and then Harwin grabs him, pulls him off Jaceres, and of course, in true Joffrey form, Aegon's like, "How dare you put hands on me? I'm the prince." And Viserys is, like, yelling at him to calm down. And Harwin's like, is this what you do, teaching your people's cruelty? And Kristen's like, oh, why do you have such devotion to this particular pupil? Um, you know, most people show this devotion to, like, a cousin or, you know, 
even a son. So at that point, Harwin loses his his shit essentially and attacks Kristen. He starts beating him like Kristen was beating Joffrey next episode. It ends up getting pulled off, pulled off by not one, not two, not three, but four Kingsguard. And he's screaming like, say it again, say it again. I dare you say it again. Um, so I'll stop there for that interesting scene. Yeah, I had to clap it up for Harwin because I would have punched Kristen too. He was doing the most. I was like, not only is it like you calling Renera like out her name places, but it's like now you're getting ready to bring it to the kids where, you know, they're trying to learn how to train and everything. And you think her kid's going to be off to the side because of how you feel. So it's like, yeah, he going he gonna to need to get them feelings in check. I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have uh like therapist relationship advice for him back in that day, but he, he going to get together because dude is taking it like, like he's Jamie threw out. Yeah. He's whipped. Like, I don't know what to tell him. I was like, you just gonna have to brush it off and keep it going. Cause when it starts messing with like the training and how serious they take that and yeah, that's going to be an issue. But yeah, I'm, I was, I was just, just, uh, giving Harwin all the props in this one. Cause I would hit him too. I was like, ain't no way when they was, when they were doing the, the fighting and, and, um, a guy need to be knocked down a peg. Cause we know how he is something strange about him. He needs to be put in check. So, and he thought he was going to get away with like, you know, taking the cheap shots. So, um, yeah, I, I just like how I, I feel bad because you know what Harlan was going to receive by doing this because we know Kristen's position. But I, I feel like it had to happen because I was like, there ain't no way because he wasn't going to run that class fair like he needed to because he all in his feelings. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we, I'm watching you, Kristen. Yeah, um, so <laughs> going back to Allison, uh, whew, Otto really did a number on her. I'm telling you, like yeah. her, she is yeah. obsessed now with uh, the secession of her of her son, and uh, you know, yes, we can definitely go back and replay it all over again with how Otto was pulling the strings and manipulated her, and even you know, gaslighted her into having this relationship with Viserys, which ultimately led her into the position that she's in now. But she's really growing this toxic obsession um, for getting her son um, to make sure that her son becomes the heir. So uh, that that scene was just really tough to watch because, you know, right now Aegon's a kid. He doesn't really know any better. He doesn't really see the value in it. And um, the name heir at this point still is Rhaenyra. So, yeah, Allison, girl, get yourself together. I'm just... Get yourself together, girl. Uh, as far as Kristen is concerned, uh, he's giving me Damon vibes. He's becoming a prick, a bigger prick than Damon at this point. I mean, he's not as bad as Damon, obviously, but just his his condescension. He's yeah, he's, <laughs> he's bitter. bitter. The condescension, you know, the jerkiness, you know, that kind of aspect of Damon's personality is starting to brew up even more into to Kristen's and. Uh, I'm glad that Harwin got the better end of the fight because I really, I really wanted to see um, Kristen's face get punched in. And by the way, Kristen has a bit of a temper. Like, bruh, ever since that last episode, like, you need to dial it back a little bit. Get into some therapy, you know, <laughs> something, talk to someone, get a journal, write your thoughts out. You, you have this fuse that just blows at a moment's notice 
So yeah, there's there's some stuff going on with Kristen's psyche that he needs to deal with. Um, so yeah, him just egging on uh, Harwin like this that that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool because we all everybody knows it's not like it's <laughs> it's not like a, it's a secret about Harwin being the father of these kids. But for Kristen to just put it out there and say it. That was just another level that was very disrespectful and really disrespectful to the king in his presence, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hey, Kristen's just better. That could have been him, but he didn't want to be Rhaenyra's whore. So let, let Harwin do his thing, you know? <laughs> uh, so Rhaenyra is actually alerted to what happened and she listens in online on Harwin um, arguing about what happened and his actions. Um, you know, Lionel is like, you opened us up to danger, which you did could lead to exile and even death for him, for Rhaenyra, for the boys. You know, his intimacy with Rhaenyra would bring shame to their house. And Harwood insists that it's just vicious rumors that have been spread by Rhaenyra's rivals. And Lionel is like, you know, people have eyes. <laughs> uh, and Viserys won't accept what he, what his eyes see. And then, um, Lionel or excuse me Harwin says you know I wish you as my father also had similar blindness um you know Lionel's insisting like this flimsy shield that stands between you got you and death is not going to last like how you know you essentially opened up opened us up to danger by publicly insulting a member of the king's guard in defense of your son um and Harwin's like you know what you have your honor and I have mine so he had his honor in defending his son, whether he's publicly acknowledged or not. Um, so back in her chambers, Rhaenyra is attended by a servant. Um, and I, I appreciate how this episode really highlights the reality of childbirth and everything that comes with it. Um, she's attended by a servant who's easing, you know, the pain in her breasts as they're kind of swelling up with milk. She tells her, like, you're going to be OK in a few days once, you know, your milk dries up. A drunken Lenor bursts into with his companion, Sir Carl played by Artie Frishon. Rainier asks uh, Carl to excuse himself while she talks to her husband. And Lainer's drunk, so he's just like, oh, her breasts, they get massive with milk. Like, he's so drunk. And she's like, excuse you. Um, so Lainor is excited by the prospect of an impending war um, as a triarchy has actually allied, its, uh, allied itself with Dorne. He's excited for the fact that he's going to have new adventures. He's excited to be back at sea. And Rainier is like, are you crazy? Are you oblivious to all the rumors that are surrounding our sons? Um, she's like, you have to stay with your family and you have to protect us. And he's like, I'm a knight. I'm a warrior. I've stayed for 10 years. I'm owed something. And she's like, you're owed nothing. You've indulged yourself for the last 10 years, drinking and betting men per our agreement, which I've not begrudged you. She says he cannot leave his post when the storm lashes. To which Lenor says, well, a wise sailor flees when the storm gathers. And Rhaenyra is just like, you know what? I command you to stay. And he's not too happy about that. So I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, I was trying to think of where I want to start because um, I, <laughs> I think Renera and Le and Lenea, uh, I always get his name because it's like too many Lanor. Let me get it right. Yeah, Lanor. Um, I feel I, I do feel bad at this moment because I, I see both sides. He has been there for ten years, so is she? You know, they have this agreement that they can do what you know what what they want to do separately. But yeah, I. I just it's I think it's a time where it's like you got to start you got to fight for your family because something's going on 
So for him, I, maybe he's drinking because he's like, this is my escape over here because maybe he does know what's happening, but he's wanting to get far away from it. So, I mean, cause he, cause he has a point, like at a certain, you know, at a certain thing. And, um, I know we're talking about further in the episode at a certain point, sometimes you do got to step off a little bit and get yourself together. So, um, maybe that's what he's picking up on. That's the vibes. But yeah, when he, when he did the whole, like busting in with his companion drunk, I was like, oh boy, I was like, this is, this is not going to go well, but yeah. And then like going back to, uh, Lionel and, and Harwin, I, these are the, the I love these two strong men. Like there's one strong guy that we know got some, we got side him as it goes along, but, um, I like how they both stand with their convictions. Like what they believe in is what they believe in. And they're not letting anybody kind of back them off of that. Um, and you know, Lionel has a point, like, you know, I mean, everybody knows you can't, it's not a lot you could do about it, but you don't have to, con you know, you don't want to continue to add to the, to the drama of the situation. So, you know, he did have to come talk to his son, like, listen, you got to calm it down. Like everybody knows you need to back off a little bit, but I see Harlan's side as well. Like, you know, I mean, he's, he feels, obviously he feels a certain type of, type of way about Renera. He's not going to let anybody step over his sons like that. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I just like how both of them are like, this is how I feel. These are my convictions. I'm not letting anybody back me off of what my principles and where I stand. So um, I appreciate that scene between both of them. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Renera and Lena have a difficult decision. I would not want to be them. That's a tough decision. Yeah. I agree. Jamie? Yeah, I don't have much to say on this. I, I'll i just sum it up by saying, you know, the first part with Lionel and Harwin, it was just fun to see father and son squabble. I, I always like watching those types of uh, relationships unfold in these types of stories. So um, that and that and that's really kind of the first interaction we see with father and son. So that, that was good to see. Um, but I don't really have much to add to that. As far as the next scene with Rhaenyra and Lainor, um, yeah, I mean, Lainor is very spoiled. I think he's he's allowed himself to get too comfortable with um, Rhaenyra being indifferent and oblivious to not only him being able to have fun outside of the confines of marriage, but really just not even being there as, as a husband. <laughs> so uh, now's the time for him to stand by her and, and be a dutiful husband. And I think that that's good that she decided to pull rank and be like, um, as your queen, I command you. <laughs> um or as your princess, I command you, and I, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that she she did that because yeah, Lenor is I don't know he's I'm getting selfish vibes yeah. from him. Yeah, well, I mean he's like you said he's been indulged indulged for a, a long time now. Um, he used to be like this kind of warrior who, who was kind of down and dirty, and and now he's pretty much been like a little you know sounds bad but like a little fairy at court he eats and drinks so his heart's content he's not you know that's i, I kind of want to say like rainier let him go to war <laughs> like it'll you know it'll bring his old self back so we'll see kind of like um i guess we compare compared to robert baratheon you know he was all he knew was war and once he settled in as king he just drunk himself to death <laughs> you know he didn't have battle anymore and that's kind of what Lenor needs he needs some type of discipline it's almost like you know someone leaving the military they, they, they sometimes they miss that 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 discipline and that order and Lenor doesn't have that right now so yep 
He's like a, a housewife, basically. <laughs> so the the small council are discussing the issue at the Stepstones and that the fact that the Triarchy has a new alliance with Dorne. Um, they ask, like, you know, where is Damon? And, you know, obviously he's left that region undefended. Rhaenyra says they, they, that they, you know, the Targaryens have left it undefended. They should have sent enforcements. They should have built towers. Allison's like, we don't have the money. Uh, and Rhaenyra says, well, the cost of war is going to cost you way more. Um, so they move to end the meeting, but Rhaenyra wishes to speak and apologizes to Allison for any slight. Um, she declares that they are one house and long before that they were, you know, they were friends. So she proposes that Jaceri is married to Helena and if Cyrix has more eggs, Aemon will have his pick. So Viserys is very happy with this proposal, with this offer. Before Allison even answers, she notes Rhaenyra is leaking breast milk. So like I said, the realities of, of childbirth. Um, but she does tell her she will consider the proposal. Um, in private, uh, she feels Rhaenyra is only making peace because she's cornered. Uh, and she tells Viserys she would rather, you know, die cold in her grave before she allows her only daughter to be married to one of uh, Rhaenyra's plain-faced sons. <laughs> and I was like, that was kind of mean. Um, so she insists that the king rests and Lord Lionel enters. Uh, he resigns from his post um, due to Harwin's outburst in the yard. Viserys says Harwin's been punished enough. He's been dismissed from the city watch. You know, Lionel has served him faithfully. He wants him at his side, but Lionel insists that he cannot serve him um, and that he's been compromised. And he also mentions a shadow grows over his house. Viserys says, you know, what are you talking about? Allison is like, yeah, what are you talking about? You know, she wants him to say it. She feels that if, you know, she's thus far been the only one telling Viserys about Rhaenar's children or Rhaenyra's children. But if maybe if Lionel says something, maybe he'll listen. Lionel can't bring himself to say the words. So Viserys is like, okay, well, since you can't tell me why you can't serve me anymore, I refuse your resignation. Um, he's insisting that he remains as the hand of the king. So Lionel agrees, but he does request that he be allowed to escort his son back to Hall. After all, Harwin is the heir to Hall, And it's about time he take up his responsibilities and Viserys accepts. Um, so Allison, once again, she's kind of all up in everyone's business. She goes to Larry's and has dinner with him and she voices her concerns. And I will say, Larry said, I, you know, I, I had planned on waiting for you, but you know, this pie just looked too good. So this tells me that her and Larry's meet pretty often now. Um, she has an issue with Harwin's reaction uh, to Kristen uh, accusations of the of Jaceri's belonging to him and this basically all but confirms the rumors um, and she also tells Larry that Viserys has refused Lionel's resignation um, so Larry says his father is now compromised and he will not be able to give biased counsel and Allison states that her father would have never held his tongue about such matters and, you know, Larry's just like, well, I don't think your father would be biased either. And she's just like, or unbiased, I should say. And she's like, well, at least he'd be on my side. Um, and so Larry's kind of has this kind of look in his eyes like he's formulating some type of plan. So he actually visits a group of prisoners in the Keeps Dungeons and he has a cane and we see like his his sigil, much like, um, much like 
Peter Baelish having his own sigil. His sigil is like a firefly. So he offers the men mercy if they're prepared to pay a little price. We don't know what this price is, but we know he starts cutting off tongues, obviously, to silence these men. Um, so uh, I'll stop there because, you know, we'll get into what Larry's is planning. But thoughts on those uh, those last few scenes, you know, Rainier apologizing to Allison, trying to make amends and her shifty meeting with Larry's. Um, I, I thought it was interesting how they, they added the scene in with her with the breast milk leaking, leaking through her dress, kind of showing, you know, still that nod to like what how big what Rhaenyra being the heir is doing. Um, you know, to have a woman in that room at that at that time, well, you know, Allison sitting over sitting as well. Um, so I thought that was interesting to kind of give like a little nod back to that and just like how uncomfortable it is to kind of get people to just it's like, listen to what I'm saying. I know what else you're seeing, but listen to what I'm saying. Also, I think Allison needs to know Renera tried. So whatever else happens, Renera did lay down this this like olive branch at the beginning. You know, no telling what's going to expire between these two ladies. But I thought it was like noteworthy to be like, listen, she came up with this at this moment because she knows what's going down. So and you said no. So we'll take not necessarily, I guess, in that moment, but her reaction, her face and everything. So I, I think that should just be noted. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's all I've, I'll kind of say about the two of them. I think it's just I felt like that was her last little olive branch to try to reach Allison. And Allison is just all the way just going looking for somebody like going in on somebody needing to be on her side. And it's like you it obviously everybody wants somebody that's going to be their ally, somebody to be on your side. But you need to be careful about who you pick to do that and what exactly comes out of your mouth when you think you have a certain group of people around you. or you think you have a certain alliance. So I think she's getting ready to learn that the hard way. Yeah. Um, there, wow. There's a lot to unpack. So going back to the conversation with, or this small council meeting with Allison and Rhaenyra, like that's a good thing that you pointed out, Ryan, like Rhaenyra was the bigger person in extending the olive branch. So we already see her character compared to Allison's character. And yes, I'm going to be hating on Allison this whole damn episode. Okay. I'm just, she is like really getting on my nerves because here Rhaenyra has a plan. She has a proposal. Viserys is willing to sign off on it. He is the king, which, you know, bruh, you need to pull your rank. But Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that that's still not good enough for Allison just blows my mind because she is so petty. And at the end of the day, she really wants to focus on her kids and making sure that that succession goes through for them. Um, And then the whole situation with her lactating, um, I just thought that that was really inappropriate for Allison to point that out and have everybody look in Rhaenyra's direction. She could have Mm -hmm. easily summoned you know one of the midwives or went out of the room and had them to come in and discreetly whispered to her hey you know you're lactating right now go ahead and you know leave the room she didn't have to put her on blast like that and i feel like she did that on purpose to shame and embarrass her um to the point where you know renera was embarrassed she's like oh seven hells you know like she she was embarrassed in that moment i i think so again, Allison is just like finding digs and finding ways to make Rhaenyra feel less than 
since their division and since their friendship has been just, I guess, completely severed off. Um, so I just have no sympathy for that character. Uh, Lionel, he has demonstrated to me that he is a far more honorable hand than Otto ever was. Because Otto would never <laughs> resign from his post because of a situation like that. I mean, obviously, the, the guy encouraged his daughter to to hook up with uh, Viserys and, and have his child. So I, I just, you know, mad respect for Lionel for just like saying, hey, there's been some indiscretions. There's things that's been said about, you know, my son. And I just don't think I'm a good fit to be your hand anymore. And the fact that he couldn't even say it because he wanted to respect, you know, the the king and just not saying it. Again, I just, I, I there there's few people like, like Lionel in this universe, I feel. So mad respect for him on that. And then finally with Larry's, oh, Larry's. <laughs> I just, I really love the actor, Matthew Needham, I think his name is. Yep. Um, yep. I really like him playing this character because he has this one, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He He has this one quirk about him as an actor when he's playing Larry's where he will eat a piece of food and his eyes is open and he's staring at the character while he's eating. And he did that in that episode with the women and he was eating the cookie and his eyes was looking all shifty looking while he was biting into the cookie. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm indulging in this piece of food, but I'm really not focusing on the food. I'm really listening and paying attention. Yeah. So I just like that little quirk about him playing that character where it's like he's pretending he's indulging in something, but he's really doing something else. Um, so props to Matthew for just being a good actor in that way. And Larry's is just so suspect. I just, uh, you know, he's... <laughs> He's just, whoo. Um, and, and I don't know. I, it feels like he's a little bit more ruthless than uh, Peter Baelish. But then again, I don't know. Peter's done some pretty pretty foul stuff, too. So I guess we, we still need to wait. Um, but there, he, he's, he's getting on Peter's level in terms of ruthlessness. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you wonder him being a strong, like, where he got this from. Because his brother and his father are so honorable. But, uh, yeah, it's always the bad seed. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Harwin is that honorable, being that, you know, he hooked up with the princess, a married I mean, woman. She's fine, I, know. <laughs> I mean, I you know. no to a princess, but I mean, he's still a good man. He's, a, he's a good man, but he has his yeah. own, like, ethical issues as well. But he's not as bad as Larry's, you know, he's not cutting out prisoners' tongues and stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, speaking of Harwin, he, he's saying goodbye to Rhaenyra and the boys and he vows to return, even though it's going to be a while. Um, he kisses Joffrey and he's kind of sad. He'll say, you know, the next time I see him, I'll be a stranger. Um, so they kind of share a tear for goodbye. You know, he, he's obviously sad to leave his sons, to leave Rhaenyra. And as he leaves, Jaceres asks Rhaenyra, you know, am I a bastard? And she says, you're a Targaryen. That's really all that matters. Um so obviously after the departure of Harwin, Rhaenyra is fed up. She goes to find Laenor and she tells him they're going to leave for Dragonstone. And he's like, you always said that if you left court, the Alicent's influence over Ceres would take a greater hold. And she's like, you know, per, per your words, the wise sailor flees when the storm gathers. And she tells him like, 
come with me and you can bring your little boyfriend too. Okay. <laughs> they need every sword they can muster. <laughs> so uh, I'll stop there. That was a brief scene, but just nice to see Rhaenyra's saying like enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she took a lot in this episode. She was embarrassed at some moments. You know, she was, she was trying to do the best she could because she knew the situation she was in and Allison wasn't having it. So I think that was a really smart decision for her to be like, okay, we're going to Dragonstone. That's enough. And, um, you know, especially hearing, um, um, her son, you know, ask if he was a bastard. And it's just like that when you, when you start hearing that a lot and the, and the way Allison keeps coming at them, that's hard for a kid. And I love, I love her response was perfect. You're a Targaryen, you know, don't listen to the rest of that stuff that's going on. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think it's time for her to, time for her to move on out. You know, uh, Allison has made her, made her bed time for her to lay in it. She done said a lot of stuff that I think she's going to regret eventually. But yeah, I mean, it's time to see Renera's like, I, I feel like Renera's the type of person that you don't back into a corner that you, you know, you be careful. Like she'll kind of go along with it for, you know, she'll go along with it. She'll try to mend what she can to try to, um, you know, send you an olive branch. But I feel like she does real well when she's back into a corner. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. Jamie, any thoughts? Yeah, I was just so sad for Jacaris. Is it Jacaris? Jacaris? Jacaris. Jacaris. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Fire is going to be coming out if I say it wrong. Um, <laughs> Jacaris. So I just felt really sorry for him because... Obviously, somebody gave him that information, and I feel like oh. Allison. Okay, Allison. No, I think the rumors. I think she told her kids, and the kids went ahead and teased him about it, and that's Probably. how he found out. That's how I think it went down. So, um, again, throwing shade because that's what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, I just felt sorry for him because it's just like all of these rumors and stuff and he's asking if he's a bastard and, and, and you know, Renera, Renera stay lying for real. <laughs> She's like, no, I, I, I didn't hook up yeah, with Damon. She didn't lie though. She didn't lie. She just said, you're a Targaryen. She didn't say, no, you're not a bastard. She just said, you're a Targaryen, which she, she ain't lying. I he mean, she, she, yeah, he, I guess. I mean, yeah, half of her, uh, but <laughs> Yeah, you know so. Rhaenyra is good for lying by omission. Like she won't answer the direct question, but she she can get around. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> lying by omission. She will not give you the truth. You know she That's a steal. she's telling you everything but giving you nothing. So yeah, that that was a moment. And then you know I, I thought it was really funny that Rhaenyra was like, "You can bring your boo with you." <laughs> <laughs> You can bring your boyfriend. You can bring your boo. You can bring your boyfriend <laughs> with you on this trip because, you know, I'm going to be doing me on my stuff. You going to do you. And I just still stand by the fact that I don't think that they've ever consummated their marriage. So that's why she's ever. just. Yeah, ever. <laughs> ever. Like ever. <laughs> so she's like, just go ahead and have fun because I know you're going to be you know, feeling some type of way on this trip. So just bring your boo and have fun with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, they're going to be isolated on dragon zone. It's a, you know, it's on an Island. They have their people and you know, he's free to do what he wants and no one's going to question it. So she, she, she gone, she got him. So um, we next spend the rest of the episode with the other set of Targaryens. So, 
Uh, on the shores of Pentos, Damon rides Caraxes and he sweeps over a group of Pentoshi nobles who are in awe. He's joined by his wife, Lena, who's now played by Nana Blondell on the back of her massive dragon, Vagar. They playfully soar the skies together. Damon starts like to challenge her. So she flies in front of him and yells, Dracaris! And Vagar breathes this huge cloud of fire that Damon and Caraxes fly through and they end up being unscathed. I thought that scene was so cool. Like, it's just, Lena is a badass too. Like, her dragon, like, dwarfs Caraxes. And Caraxes ain't no small dragon. I just I just thought that scene was really, really cool. What about you guys? Yeah, I was waiting for us to get to this moment. Like, before we were talking about when it was weird in the garden and everything, I was so waiting for her to grow up <laughs> because I was like, she, yeah, I love this. I love this scene. And, like, when I when I heard about it, I was like, yeah, she, she was gangster in this. It was badass. Um... I just love everything about what you're like, almost, almost the, like, as we kind of unfold the rest of this episode, I kind of love seeing her in this. And, um, yeah, she, she's one of those, she's one of those people that I, that I wish, um, we got like more earlier, but I love this dragon scene. This is, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we obviously now have confirmation that Damon is fireproof because not every Targaryen <laughs> is fireproof. And I, yeah. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I love seeing Vagar. Vagar plays a huge role uh, later on down the line. So seeing a huge, massive dragon like that, the only, <laughs> the only criticism that I have with this show and this is something that has been an ongoing thing. And we actually talked about this on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. We had a guest on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Amara Jones was our guest. And she was talking about the special effects on Game of Thrones and how the CGI mm -hmm. was terrible. And she's like, I hope that for House of the Dragon, it gets better. Um, looks like that hasn't happened because <laughs> the CGI is a little bit trash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love House of Dragon. I love everything about it. I love the writing. I love the direction. I love the performances. The actors are great. Great storylines. All of that stuff. Fantastic. CGI is not good. That That's the only thing I gotta add. I just, you know. They gotta wear the little like the avatar dot suits or something. I don't like. I don't know how you make the. I, I see. I don't know how you make the dragons cooler though. Like I'm curious. They need some kind of like I don't know some little suit or something. I mean Maybe the dragons. The dragons little... look great to me. I it's the, when they breathe out the fire. Oh, oh the fire! It's the, yeah, the fire, fire that okay. looks really okay. super okay. cheesy and 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 doesn't look real. And you can kind of see the outline of the CGI, like it just, it's not well done. And I know that they can do better with it. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, yeah. And you get some, uh, some experts on set. Something, something. Anyway, rant over. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll see. I was going to say, Hey, there's, there's another little debate going on. Um, cause people assume Targaryens are, um, I see this all the time in the groups I'm in. People are like, how come this person gets burnt? How come this Targaryen gets burnt? So Targaryens actually aren't fireproof. I think the only one that had that quote unquote power was Daener Daenerys. And in the, in the book, it was a one-time occurrence because of the blood magic, but on the show, they kind of made it her superpower so she could obviously kill all the cows. So I'm not sure if Damon is 
dragonproof prestige because I think he might have been shielded by um, Caraxes, but that could be an interesting superpower if that is the case. Uh, if for whatever reason during the Dance of the Dragons, uh, he gets burnt. So we'll, we'll see if that that if your theory is true or not, Jamie. But that is interesting. I mean, it looked um, like he but... went through the fire unburned because I don't think I saw him with a. I mean, he didn't have a shield over his head, and we saw his hair. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm saying like you so like Caraxes is kind of shaped like a worm. He has this really, really long neck. So if let's say Damon ducked, he could have been protected, but he could very well be somewhat fireproof. I don't know. I just wanted to bring up that big debate about people questioning whether or not Targaryens are fireproof or not. So anyways, moving on. So Damon and Lena throw a dinner honoring their foreign host, Prince Reggio Horatius of Pentos. He's played by Dean Dolan. He gives a toast uh, for the Targaryen ancestor, Aegon the Conqueror, who helped free the city, uh, who helped the free cities, specifically Pentos, break free from the hold of Volantis. Um and he gets to the matter at hand and Lena, Lena interrupts him and asks if he wishes to marry one of their daughters, the twins, Bela and Reyna Targaryen, played by Shani Smetshurst and Eva Odie Gernig. Um, and, and the twins are disgusted by this. I think it was Reyna or Bela who was like, ew, what? <laughs> like that old man? Um he denies he's worthy of such an honor and proposes Damon and his family take permanent residence in Pentos. The manse they are currently guests in will be theirs alongside with the farms, the lands, the vineyard and the woods that surrounded um, the manse. The tenants will also pay tribute to their new Targaryen lords. Um, cause Rogerio, you know, so Damon's like, okay, go on. So Rogerio knows that the triarchy is rising again. They've made alliance with Corrin Martell of Dorne and they will soon turn their attention north, which basically leaves them open to danger. So Damon has three dragons, possibly four, and Reggio wants that protection from, for Pentos. So he proposes an alliance with the Targaryens, much like the alliance between Aegon and Pentos way back when. And he promises to pay them generously for their aid. Lena kind of turns down the offer. She's like, you know, we're, we're we're travelers. We've already extended our stay here. And Damon interrupts her. And he's like, okay, I'll consider the offer. Um, so that night, Lena, or Lena, I keep getting their names mixed up. Lena visits Damon, who's given Bela a lesson in High Valerian. I thought that scene was kind of cute, showing, you know, Damon does have a soft side. Um, he sends Bela to bed to speak to his wife, who is at this point, we see that she's heavily pregnant with their third child. She berates him for considering the prince's offer as she knows they're just using him. And he's just like, it's kind of refreshing. This is such a simple transaction. We offer our dragons. They offer us gold. She reminds them that they are not guests of some foreign prince. They are the blood of old Valeria. And Damon tells her Valeria is gone. He kisses her, you know, her pregnant belly. And Lena's like, look, I want my child to be born at Driftmark. I want my daughters to be raised there with their birthright. Um, she wants to die a dragon's death in the end. She doesn't want to die some fat country lord. Damon doesn't say much and she leaves. Um, so I'll stop there. First of all, I agree. I agree with the two ladies. Um, yeah, I pass on the old white guys. So I'm glad he was not looking to marry one of them. 
Um, by the way, so cute. I who would have ever thought uh Damon would be like somewhat of a decent husband and he's like a dad? I was just like, whoa, it was like a lot to take in, like this one scene. Uh was a lot happening. Cause I was just like the way the character that the way um he's been portrayed so far, um, you know, by Matt and just the by Matt Smith and just the way it's been played. He was like, How can he just he's just like sitting at the dinner table? He's old, you know, he's okay. He's teaching his daughter how to speak the, the language and everything. And it's just, I don't know, it's very like homebody and you don't expect Damon to be this way. Um, so so I enjoy that. Um, Lena, I, you know, I was kind of wondering what happened to like um, you know, old Valerian or where, where the Valerians were at, because I see what she's talking about. Like that's how she was raised, you know, wanting to be back with her family, wanting her daughters to be raised that way. Um, so I see her wanting to get back to her roots, but yeah, I was kind of curious about that too. When she, when she, um, when she brought that up to Damon, but he's also like, I never expected him to be like, well, you know, I could trade a couple things. I could be comfortable like this. Um, so, you know, cause he was okay with like, uh, even though it was like seen as like using them and, um, you know, obviously he wants the dragons, but I, I thought that was interesting. Like that kind of turned in his personality where usually he's like going forward about like, you know, Valerian, Targaryens, having that, having that power and that aspect. But he's like, you know, I'll trade a couple things. I'm, I'm cool with where I am right now. So yeah, this is interesting. This is an interesting Damon. I'm, I'm not mad at this um, going forward. So I thought that was cool. Also, were the Dorne um, in Game of Thrones, were they the ones like had the, like some of those, um, some of the warriors, like the badass warriors? Because one was... Um, the Sand Snakes. Uh, I can't remember the guy's and name. And Oberyn Martell. Yeah, that's that's his country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I couldn't remember from there. I was like, I was wondering if those were. So that would have been, that's an interesting alliance. But yeah, of course they're like, yeah, no. Nah. Lena's like, I ain't having that. I need to get back to my roots. So it'll be interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Jamie? Yeah, I, I need a little more backstory on this. I, I'm not following why, first of all, Damon is so hard-pressed to stay in Pentos. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out what that situation is all about. Um, it is good to see that he's, I, I agree with you, Ryan, that he's a good husband and a good father. Um, but I'm, I'm still sort of confused about why he wants to stay there and he doesn't want to go to Driftmark um, and honor his wife's wishes if he's, you know, such a good, loving, doting husband to Lena. So that... That's something I, I need to figure out because I'm, I'm a little confused about um, how all of that is taking place. But I, I love seeing the little Valerian girls. They're so adorable. Um, mm -hmm. One little nitpick. <laughs> I feel well, like I'm old. <laughs> I know right here we go. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Okay, so... We all know that, of course, the Valerians in the books were white and they've been race spent for this show, which is fantastic. Mm. But um, I was just curious. So Matt Smith, Damon Targaryen, white dude, right? And then we've got mm. Lena Valerian, black girl, black woman. And they have kids together. I was just wondering why they their hair texture doesn't kind of look like... It's it's a very small nitpick. It's a small nitpick. And I I get that probably not all hair textures are going to be uh, the same or, you know, when it comes to biracial children. I was just expecting the hair texture to look more like the hair texture of a biracial child than the hair texture we're seeing. Am I going too far with my nitpick or what? I 
I know, you know, I mix myself, but I know enough mixed kids that didn't inherit the quote unquote good hair. You know, they, they inherited the more kinkier hair types. Um, but I think uh, if you look further into the series, um, some of the stills and the images that were that were uh, previewed, one of the twins has curly, softer hair, and then the other one has dreads. So I, I just think it's just maybe the wigs aren't doing them justice. Um, but I mean, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, uh, y- you bring up a good point. I don't know. I, I was just expecting that. Maybe the wigs should have been a little bit more better, you know, because, yeah, like you said, one had dreads and one didn't. So why wasn't that more consistent? Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy to see more black people. So. I am, too. I'm, I am not. I am, Listen, I am here for it. I just, you know, I, it was something that I noticed. That's all. Gotcha. Can I just say only on dragons, y'all, do you talk about hair texture? And I just appreciate this conversation. <laughs> like who else is talk- who else is going in pointing out? Like, I mean, because that's an interesting point. Like, who else is looking at, you know, the way the hair falls? Um, because sometimes you just write look at right like all the hair matches and you're like, okay, let's keep it moving. But I mean, I, I think that's interesting. I think I wonder if people are gonna be picking that up on Twitter. I'm just saying maybe people are, or the writers or the casting and the costume team are, they're kind of pushing it out there that not every mixed person has Eurocentric features and, you know, somebody's going to have kinkier hair. And I appreciate the fact that they included it. So maybe it wasn't very much intentional that the girls, or at least one of the girls doesn't look exactly like Lena. Um, but we'll, we'll get to more of the girls. So Reyna is humming to her dragon egg. She's placing it near the fire and Lena walks in and tells her, like, my sweet, it's been eight years. Half of the dragons never hatch. Um, so Reyna asks, well, is, is Prince Reggio, will he let me stay with him? And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, when you guys, when you, Bela, dad, go off on your dragons. And Lena comforts her and tells her, you know, there's more than one way to bond with the dragon. Reyna's dragon happened to be born to her but Lena didn't claim her dragon until she was 15 and now she has the biggest dragon in the world if you remember from her conversation with the series when they were you know essentially courting each other um that was Lenor Lena's dream was to ride Vagar. she was you know pretty obsessed with her um so now you know now she's bonded herself to a dragon and she was a teenager so she tells Raynor you know she can claim her dragon one day too um, so later, later, Lena speaks with Damon, telling him that Lenor has written a letter to her and that Rhaenyra has given birth to a new son. Um, Damon has this funny line. He's like, does said son bear a striking resemblance to Sir Harwin? <laughs> um, and she's like, uh, she, you know, he left out that detail. And she says, you know, she misses her brother and she knows that Damon misses his brother, too. She wonder if Damon ever longs for home and Damon's like, no, I don't. And she's like, you know what? You claim to want to stay in Pentos, but you've never gone into the city. You'd rather lock yourself up in this, in this, you know, this manse, this mansion and, and, and be in your library all day and read about dragon writers that you claim have no influence on you. Like, this is not the man that I married. This is not the man that I know my, that I know you to be. Um, so I'll stop there for any thoughts on maybe that kind of answers your question, Jamie, about why Damon is is so focused on staying in Pentos. I just think he's he's kind of tired of all the issues that he had in, in Westeros with his brother. And I guess this is where he can escape and kind of drink to his heart's content and read books. He's kind of like it's like escapism for him. Uh, your thoughts? 
Jamie, you want to go first? Sure. I, I, can, I, don't have, I don't have too much on this one. Okay, sure. Yeah, no, this this does help. Um, I think probably I'm just, I, I guess I just wanted some more backstory about um, what got him to this place. But yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be that detailed and deep that he just wants to escape from all the drama of his family and, and, you know, being shunned and cast away and then, you know, killing his estranged wife and <laughs> all of that stuff um, that he just needs to escape from the past and just create a new, uh, new present and a new life rather with his, his wife and his kids. So I guess I get that, that, that probably makes sense. Um, so yeah, that, that's really, that's all I have to add to that. Agreed. It seems like he very much loves his wife, his second wife unlike his first <laughs> so uh yeah so uh lena is actually about to pop she's in labor she's having a very hard labor you know the healer there is unable to help her he tells dame that the child will not come out and he also suggests that maybe they could cut her like they did with queen ama in the first episode and then damon actually asks like well will she survive and he says no and he doesn't he can't guarantee that the baby will survive either lena overhearing this leaves and she goes to her dragon pretty weakened you can tell you can see she's bleeding so you we know that she's not long for this world um but she's determined to die like a true dragon rider so she you know kind of falls before Vagar. I think actually she she not falls, but she's very weakened. She's bloodied. She's she's at the end of her life. So she screams Dracarys and she's begging her dragon to end her life. Vagar, you know, dragons are very smart. Vagar obviously is not gonna do this to her rider, but you know, Lena keeps screaming, Dracarys, Dracar like just please, please. And you could see it in the dragon's eyes. Like you can see she's very reluctant, but she kind of like closes her eyes and ends up doing it. So she breathes fire over Lena um, and ends her life. And Damon rushes in just as it happens, and he's, you know, he he can't stop it. So he witness he witnesses the end of his wife that he loves so much, the end of her life. And I that scene was like really, really heartbreaking to me. Um, in the books, uh, it's not quite as, uh, not quite as deadly. Uh, she does collapse, uh, on her way to her dragon, but she wanted to ride her for one last time. So this was a little bit more poetic. Um, a dragon rider's death was actually, they just fly away on their dragon and die in the skies. Uh, they kind of twisted this a little bit and made it even more, uh, tragic, um, but and I was really heartbreaking to see, but Lena kind of deciding to take her life into her own hands and die in the way that she wanted to die. So I'll stop there for your guys' thoughts. Oh, these childbirth scenes, man, I can't take it. It's, it is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard in the show. Like every time, every time you get one of the scenes, you like on the edge of your seat right now. You're like, is the baby going to make it? Is the mom going to make it out? What's going to happen? Um... You know, true to life, but it's just so hard. Like when it's in a when it's in a show like this that you're watching, like weekly, it's just it's just it's got you on the edge of your seat. But yeah, Lena, I, she's another one. Like um, uh, Ray, I wish we had more like you know more time to know more about her. Um, you know, but and yeah, and that that scene was hard when she when she at least and then she made her choice. Like I'm glad she I'm glad they didn't have her just sitting you know, like on the bed and it's like up to the men to make the decision of what she's gonna do. Or what's going to happen. You know, I like the, how they gave her that last power moment, even though it's so difficult to watch when she goes out there and, um, you know, makes her decision of, of what's going to happen because we know she doesn't have long. 
Um, and also, too, I was kind of thinking back to when she was talking with one of her daughters when they were discussing, um, like, choosing an egg and all that. She kind of makes this, like, little wince, like she's in pain or something when she sits down in the chair. So, and I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be, it wouldn't kind of lead to, like, something else. Um, so I, I was, I thought it interesting how they kind of were foreshadowing to, to that similar, but I don't know. I just, yeah, that, that was a real hard one. I was like, I did not want this episode to end like this. And you could see the impact on Damon, him looking on cause he can't do anything. And I'm curious, I guess we kind of know what, maybe what he decided, maybe we would have known what he decided, but I was kind of curious what he was going to decide. I would just, I just was, um, Cause he was asking all the right questions, like, will she survive? You know, what's gonna happen to the kid? So, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's just for the for the Targaryen Valerian women, like any like childbirth scene, I'm just I'm not ready for it all. It just this show just shows you cannot be prepared for what's gonna happen. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So, um, how did she get out of that room? That's what I want to know. Mm, <laughs> she. That's she a good did. question. <laughs> She did. She, she I mean, had a secret we, door. Maybe she had a secret door. Yeah, we, we really didn't see how she got out of that room. One minute she's in the bed having labor, you know, going through it. And then the next minute she's walking out there and it's like, how, how does she get out of that room with all them people around her? Anyway, you know, I have these kind of questions. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this was very sad. I, I was hoping we would see more of Lena. I liked her character. She was growing on me. And uh, this was a very poetic ending. And um, I'm glad you gave us some context, Angelica, and how she died in the book compared to the this TV moment. I think this TV moment is, adds a little bit more drama. And it's, um, again, uh, to use that word, is way more poetic in her, her death as someone who, you know, wanted to you know, die as a dragon rider to, to go out that way. So great moment. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it was a, it was just a very uh, compelling moment to, to watch. So, uh, you know, RIP Lena. I know your curls stay popping. I was gonna say, just like we said with Basandi, your curls will forever pop. <laughs> yes. Your curls will forever pop. Indeed. Um, did they ever mention if the, if the, what the, I guess they, maybe they wouldn't know, but was it going to be like a son or did they know what the, the little kid, like who she was at, like what she was going to have, like a boy or a girl? I just curious. Cause yeah, I was just wondering about that. Cause it was, it was so similar, like being so similar to, um, was it, was it Emma? Yeah. I was just, yeah, I don't know if there's any connection there, but I was just curious, um, you know, with them already have, like she had Renera um she um lena already had two daughters so i don't know i just thought that was a little bit interesting but yeah i guess you wouldn't know until they wouldn't know back in the day so yeah and damon didn't care i don't think he cares about having an heir or a son i think he's very yeah, happy I with his girls yeah, yeah. yeah i just thought it was interesting like the line of the targaryens and valerians like with the women and then when they're getting you know they have like um Maybe, I don't know how many women, I don't know if it's more prevalent, like having two or three girls and then maybe if it's a son eventually, but I know he didn't care. Like I respected him for that. I know he wasn't like, oh, you're going to have to keep having kids until I get a son. 
I mean, I think childbirth in general for any woman at in that in those times was dangerous. So you kind of flip a coin. You're either going to have a good birth or you're not <laughs> or you're lucky and you end up like like Rainier where you have all these kids and nothing happens. So it's just it's just, just or Allison. Yeah. Or yeah. Allison. So it's just it is what it is. But yeah, very sad. Um, So R.I.P. Lena Valarian. Uh, so um, that, this isn't the only tragedy of the episode. Um. Lionor escorts Harwin back to Heron Hall. As they arrive on the edge of the forest, the prisoners that Larry's freed are wearing his sigil, the firefly. They sneak into the castle and they set it on fire. Um, you know, Har- uh, Lionel is locked in his room. Uh, the smoke is filling up his chambers and Harwin is doing everything he can to save his father. He's trying to break into the door and the the ceiling ends up collapsing on Harwin. And we also learn later that Lionel died as well. Um, all this is happening. Uh, Rhaenyra arrives at Dragonstone and Viserys is very upset over her departure. Uh, and we once again see a mouse crawling over the fireplace. And that was this is the second time at the end of the episode where we see a mouse or a rat. Um, we also see Harwin and Lionel's bodies carried out and Damon and his daughters mourn the death of Lena. We get a kind of gruesome shot of, of Lena's body after it's been incinerated. So while all this is happening, Larry is just speaking on how love is the death of all. Allison asks if Lionel and Harwin are dead, and he says they are, you know, but Harrow, after all, is cursed. And Allison accuses Larry's of carrying out their assassination. She did not ask for this. She did not wish for this. Um, but she kind of planted the seed when she had mentioned her father. Um, and Larry says, you know, I'm sure you're going to write to your father and that you're going to reward me when the time is right. And as he says this, he grabs a Novellis and sniffs it and takes in the scent. And Allison is pretty horrified. Um, and, and that's how the episode ends with, with Shifty Larry's and his favorite flower. <laughs> so I'll stop there for your, your final thoughts. I mean, Allison also and, mentioned that she didn't feel like she had anybody that was taking her side. And I was like, see, this is what happens when you have certain allies that you shouldn't probably shouldn't run your mouth to and say, hey, nobody's listening to me. Why don't you know, I need this, this and this and have to happen and how I feel about this. So, yeah, Allison, girl, whoo, I, I, I'm nervous for her going forward. These, these uh, with Laris, like I knew I knew dude was up with something. Cause he he like shifty as hell, and it's just like the connections that he can make and rooms that he can get into is gonna be real interesting to see how she handles that, what the ramifications are of that. Cause it's like now he's building up dirt on her. Now he can you know now he can easily pin things, um, you know, as it keeps building that he can kind of connect back to what she's telling them in the conversation, the dinners they're having. You know, like you said, I mean, it gives a it gives a this instance that they, maybe they having dinner every night. And just talking about like what's going on in the in the kingdom, what's going on with the king or something. It's like he's taking all these little crumbs and everything. So, yeah, yeah, Alice, you better watch out, girl. I don't know what's going down with that one. Um, love seeing Renera arrive at Dragonstone. Um, I think that is going to be. I'm so excited about that. And all the darkness that was the end of this episode. That was something I think is going to be pretty cool going forward to see how that goes for her. And um, yeah, Damon and the daughters, like just pulling, still pulling at my, and his daughter is still pulling at my heartstrings. That was so sad because I can't imagine how they must be feeling. And, um, and you know what that means for him, that what that means for him going forward. So yeah, this is, this is just, it was so sad, this ending of this episode, but so well done into what it's going to mean for certain alliances, for these, the, these characters. You have so many questions. 
um, you know, some about some of their intentions. So yeah, I I cannot wait for the um, for episode seven. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely side eyed in the fact that Larry's ordered the death of his father and his brother. But I'll right. turn it over like, to you, what Jamie. What room did they lock you in? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, like this was this was very interesting turn of events. This this final scene. I mean, R.I.P. to to Sir Harwin. Um. And Lionel Strong, man, that, you know, the good guys, the good guys, you know, I, I, we didn't get a chance to get to know Harwin like that. We really didn't. Cause all of that, all of that exposition between his relationship with Rhaenyra, that, that all got skipped. Uh, so we, we didn't really get to see them, you know, flirt and get to know each other and have those kind of conversations. It was just like, Oh, you got kids. All right. Um, so that, that's sad. And Lionel was such a good, he was a great hand. He was a perfect hand for Viserys. So really sad to see him go. Uh, Larry's, yeah, like you said, Angelica. Wow, bruh. Wow. Wow. That was, that was a new low. Like, okay, you really are catching up to Peter Baelish levels right now. You are definitely I'm I'm tallying it up. I'm tallying the body count as we speak. Um and uh yeah, I just I I think that that moment where he turns to Allison and Allison's like or, or no, he, Larry says you will repay me when the time is right. That gave me chills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that gave me chills cuz it's like whoa cuz Allison's like, I didn't ask for this. Like, <laughs> this is not what I asked this for. This is not what I asked for. And he's like, well, you're going to repay me anyway. Uh, so that it'll be interesting to see what exactly that payment will be. And, and you know, the, the dance of the dragons have begun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what our next episodes will bring us. Um, just all the way till the end. Like, I'm curious to see how far into Dance of the Dragons they will go uh, with this season of uh, House of the Dragon. Is it going to happen all in this season or is it going to extend into season two? Uh, that'll, I feel like they have to extend it because there's so much, but yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, that wraps up episode for us. I'll give it a, take it away, Jamie. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks guys for listening and tuning in. As always, you can follow us on the Twitters at Black Girl Nerds, at Black Girl Geeks, hashtag Dragons Y'all. We tweet live every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, you know, right after the broadcast ends, you can listen to the show, listen on your favorite streaming apps, wherever you like to download your podcasts, and we will see you next week. 